So before I get into some things I want to share with you, I want to read Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read not too much, but enough for us to uh, set up what I'm going to share. This is Paul saying, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, and if you hang out with Soma very long, you'll hear this phrase, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, by the way, Soma is the Greek word for body. This is where we got that, Ephesians 4, right here. There is one body, um, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives a host of cap- he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse nine. Now the expression he ascended. What does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. I love that that he might fill all things, and what he wants to fill most is our hearts with his spirit. Amen. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Uh, some of you have heard those things called the fivefold ministries. Okay? Um, for the equipping of the saints. Everybody say equipping of the saints. Good. For the work of service, or some of your versions say the work of ministry. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man or woman, of course. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Say that. I'm not to be a child anymore. Now say it like you're actually convicted about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, some of you are like, I really don't want to be a child. Okay, tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, head of the body, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And I want to pause right there, but it keeps going on. Uh, the heading of the whole next session, uh, section is the Christian walk. I encourage you to read all of Ephesians 4. Um, Nick, after I get through sharing, Nick is going to come up and he's going to share with you uh, basically our plan, our financial plan, which isn't very complicated because we try not to do anything complicated right around here, but how we are going to prepare for what God has for us, okay? Um, Something that I want to share is that in, in, as I've been talking about this whole thing, one of the things that I've said over and over and over is, and I want to kind of retract the statement, not retract it, but clarify it. I have said, okay, we're having to move people, but we don't know where we're going. I've said that almost every week, haven't I? But we don't know where we're going. Everybody say that. We don't know where we're going. Okay, something the Lord showed me this week, and I really don't feel like our body has taken it this way, but I do want to clarify When I say that we don't know where we're going, what I mean is we don't know where we will physically end up. But I want to clarify and affirm that we know where we're going as a church. We know where we are going spiritually. Okay, we have 
more vision, and the Lord reminded me of, of most of it this past week even. Like, Tony, you, do you even remember how much vision you had? Oh, well, yeah, I remember. Well, then, you know, just want to remind you. And I thought, I need to remind the church. Because that statement can seem like, oh, we don't know where we're going. <laughs> this is just a shock to my system. It's, not a, it is, it's a shock to our physical system, I suppose, but not our sp- spiritual system. And if you've been tracking with this Exodus series, you really kind of know. Yeah, someone knows where they're going. I just wanted to say that and confirm that, and I want to talk a little bit about vision real quick, okay? And, and we'll show some of these things up here. This is, this is the purpose. Of course, I read Ephesians 4. All of it really is the vision for the church. And I want to just say one thing that we know we're going, where always we will go, we will never uh, uh, stop. The reason we exist is for the preaching of the gospel. Where we're going, the biggest part of our vision is to spread the gospel, you guys. Okay, it's, it's about the gospel. It's not about the building. Like John said, even as Pastor Eric said, it's about the gospel. Okay, we have been saved. We have been redeemed, born of the Spirit because of the gospel message. And so in return, we want to make that gospel known. And that's why we exist as a church. First and foremost, are we raising money for um, some sort of facility, whether we lease it or whether we buy it or whatever? Yes, we are. But is that the main point? No, it is just a tool to, that we can advance the gospel, preach the gospel. And, um, and so I want you to know that even in our vision statement, which is based out of uh, uh, John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one even comes to the Father except through me. Marvin talked about the Father this morning. There's no place I'd rather be than in the presence of a faithful Father. Amen? Okay? Well, the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ. We know that from Scripture. So, and there's plenty of scriptures that you can, you can bring a vision of the gospel message uh, for your church, but we have chosen this one. In fact, our vision statement for a church is that we want to, uh, we want to uh, urge people to choose the way, to know the truth, and to live the life of Jesus Christ. Okay, It's based out of that scripture. And really, right there in that vision statement is the flow, if you will, of the gospel Okay, choosing the way is basically like evangelism. We're asking people, we're urging people, we're telling them about Jesus and saying, you got to know this guy. He will change your life. Okay, better yet, you got to know this God, amen, because he will change your life. It's about evangelism, leading people to the, uh, to the living God. Um, if you look in Jeremiah 10, you don't have to turn there, but it says that but the Lord is the true God, he is the living God and the everlasting king. And that's what we're trying to do, first and foremost, is to introduce people to the living God. And when they choose Jesus, and they are, uh, as, as it says in Scripture, baptized into the body of Christ, we take them in and we do what's next. We help them to know the truth, to know the word. It's, it's called discipleship. Jesus picked 12, and, and that's who he has, and we will... Disciple whoever comes in our doors that the Lord would give to our care. Equipping saints for the work of ministry. We just read that in Ephesians 4. So when people get saved, they come into the family of God, and we work together to disciple, raise up, equip, um, train up, raise people. And then the last thing is living the life. And really, the best word is about community because we are all living in the New Testament. We're trying to walk out the New Testament. And the only way that that is possible effectively is to do it within the context of community. People that try to do it alone, it just doesn't work out that well, you know? But in the context of community, everything that you need to live a life worthy of calling can come to pass. 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. So if you're just one piece of iron isolated by yourself, you're not going to get very sharp. But when you're walking amongst the challenges and the difficulties of the body of Christ and the good stuff too, then you're being sharpened. And 10 years later, you don't look the same as when you just got saved, right? Aren't you glad that I'm not sitting up here teaching you with a big baggy diaper? You know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm fully developed, you know what I mean? So, so we're to grow up spiritually as well. So listen, preaching the gospel, you guys, that's what this is about. If you have a heart for God, then you have a heart to see his message continue. Amen? And this isn't just the job of the church. just want to remind you, it is all of our jobs to communicate the gospel. Okay? We live, just real quick, we live in a generation where people aren't flocking to churches like they used to. We can't depend on the walls to do the work anymore. There was a season in history where they were just flocking to church for whatever reason. Maybe that's when they finally got rock and roll in the church. I don't know. But rock and roll isn't drawing them anymore either, is it? So we've got to go out. Uh, uh, the phrase, be the church, comes to mind and win people to the Lord. Your testimony, blood of the lamb and the power of your testimony, winning people to the Lord. So and part of our vision is preaching the gospel. That's really all, I mean, the Bible talks about that. But you know, there's some, Unique things about our vision that maybe we don't talk about quite as much. If, you have, if you're in deeper circles or relationships, you might hear it quite a bit. But one is um, that God really laid on my heart and my wife's heart as we started and, and the small team that we started with is the preparation of the next generation. Preparing the next generation to be godly people, worshipers, kings and priests that will shape uh, this nation and in, in, in turn the nations, okay? And... Uh, I'm going to say a word that the single people sometimes get aggravated with, but it's the word family. Melissa and I really want to build up the family. Dads, husbands, moms, wives, children that will obey their parents and respect their parents and, and, uh, and, and grow up with the gospel in their hearts and serve the Lord. That might actually change a nation. Amen? We really want to do that. That has fallen to the wayside. You know? And I want to tell you something. Melissa and I aren't perfect uh, perfectly married. I mean, we're perfectly married together, but our marriage isn't perfect. Our kids and our, our parenting isn't perfect, but I want to tell you something. We got a good marriage. <laughs> Melissa and I have a good marriage. We've been married 18 years. And we've gone through our ups and downs, but man, let me tell you something. That woman loves me. <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not a perfect dad, and she's not a perfect mind, uh, mom, but we love our kids, and we do a pretty good job raising our kids. You know what I mean? And that's something that we want to spread out, okay? Some of you guys are way better parents than we have and been parents longer. Well, listen, it takes a whole body to do that. And, and I thought about the reason I said brought up single people is sometimes when you see so many families coming to the church, the single people are like, oh, man, this is coming to family church. Gosh, where are all the single people? How am I going to get a wife if I can't, you know what I mean? All the things, <laughs> let me tell you something. It's important for you to understand that as a single person, you can come and, first of all, learn from mamas and daddies. Amen? You want to be a good one, right? And then think of the ways that you, being a single person with very little responsibility as, in comparison, could come alongside a family and bless them. You know what I mean? Think about it. Hey, Jason, Danielle, uh, I notice you have a slew of kids, um, and you look tired sometimes. 
I was thinking, what if I watched your kids one night while you went out on a date? Granted, that might make you have more kids, you know, but we would like to do that for you. It's a vicious cycle, if you know the physiology I'm talking about. But you hear what I'm saying? Single people, don't gripe about being a part of a family church. Be excited about it. Figure out ways that you can come alongside of these families, whether, they are about, whether they're just married or they ha- finally have kids or whether they're empty nesters. Everybody could use a single person that has lots of time and energy. Don't be jealous of it. Don't run from it. Come alongside these people because you will be part of preparing the next generation. Amen? Don't go look for the biggest church in town that has the biggest singles group. You're not going to get a well-rounded walk that's worthy of the calling. I promise you that, okay? Um, preparing the next generation, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen says, teach these things to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're get, uh, getting up. Very adamant about raising up the next generation. You see the model in Moses and Joshua. You see the model in Elijah and Elisha. You see the model in Paul and Timothy. And there's just a slew of others others about passing the torch, about, about um, growing the next generation, preparing the next generation. And that leads me kind of to the third unique thing about Soma Church that I really don't talk about enough, but I want to clarify something. Something else that I said, let me just say it this way. Uh, I didn't know of a better word and I needed some alliteration. So propagating the church. <laughs> you can write that down. Propagating the church is another part of our vision. I don't talk about this enough, enough but you're going to start seeing it more because this is huge on my heart. Okay, Uh, essentially what I'm saying, and I want to retract another statement that I've said over and over and over. We're not trying to be a big church. We're not trying to be a mega this or a mega that. We're not trying to grow the church. Jesus said he would grow the church and that that I will build my church. Okay, I've said that and it's true, but I want to bring clarity to that. What I'm saying is I am not trying to grow a mega church. But if you walk again in, in maybe tighter circles with me, you know and if you don't know, I'm going to tell you now. You know that I've always had the intention of Soma growing between three and 500 people. And we, when we get somewhere in there, it's time to plan a new church. Not to grow it to 1,000, you know, unless circumstances cause that, but intentionally, Lord, when you get us to the number of three to 500 people, who have we been raising up as worship leaders? Who have we been raising up as pastors? Who have we been raising up as children's pastors? And all the kind of the main components, and it's time to send them out. Amen? Okay, and there's a difference between growing a mega thing and then propagating his church. Does that make sense? I guess what I'm saying is we should, according to our own personal vision for Soma, should never require a building that seats over 500 people. I'm just saying. Okay? So you need to understand that. You need to understand that that's part of our vision. And so when we are saying, um, when we say we're not trying to grow a mega church, understand that we have big vision. We want to see the kingdom spread. We want to see lots of people coming to Christ. We're just not trying to build our own kingdom. Okay? We're trying to do what Ephesians 4 says, raise up people, equip them for the works of the ministry. And when the time comes, hopefully we've done a good job and we can steward all that God has given us, people, finances, uh, facilities, etc. And we can plant another church. Just this past week, not that I haven't done this before to this person, but putting bugs in some potential church planners' ears. And for the first time, there's a little bit of a willingness there. So you never know what might happen. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
we got worship leaders that Sean is raising up and training and I'm talking with people about pastoring and spending time with people. You just never know, man. I want you to understand that. It's huge. Okay, so I don't have a whole lot more to share that than that. Just, just for you guys to understand our desire, our vision for preaching the gospel, uh, preparing the next generation and, and, and understanding what that means. And then, Lord, if, you know, help us to propagate your church. You know what propagate means? That means to multiply. That means to uh, reproduce. Like you, prop, you take a plant and you can propagate it and it can spread and it spread. You guys know what that means? It's kind of a gardening term, I think, isn't it? You guys hear what I'm saying? And so I want Nick to come up. And he's going to share some things. Uh, I wanted to, to talk before him just to share with you guys as we kind of step into some, some financial conversations what, what we're preparing for. Okay, we're, It's not just about a building. It is about a location, but it's not about a building. It's about seeing God's vision for his gospel and the unique vision that he's given us for a church to come to pass. And in that, God has given some of you guys some very specific, unique visions, too. And a lot of times, your visions come to pass in the context of church. Amen? Okay. I'm going to have some people that are going to pass a few things out for you guys here that will be relevant to you in a couple of minutes. Something tactile to hold on to. Um, So, I want to start by... Just telling you how humbled I am to be here. Uh, when John uh, shared his message, you know, that to trust the elders, I want to tell you how humbling that is. And scary. Um, if none of you probably know me as, well, I know you don't, as a guy 11 years ago who, some insecure teenager from Minnesota living in a dorm room in Fargo, North Dakota, crying himself to sleep every night because I couldn't have hope for my life. And I was homesick, and I was weak, and I never, ever would have imagined that the Lord would have led me to where he has today. And so I want to talk with you real briefly about that before I talk about what's being passed out. Because I can honestly stand before you as an elder of this church, and tell you that I did not put myself on this stage. I did not put myself in the home that I have for my family. I did not give myself the job that I gave. I have never done anything for myself that has led to me experiencing the blessing and the faithfulness that the Lord has done for me. This is all been from the Lord. And this isn't one of those NFL players score a touchdown, throw it up to the big JC. I'm being really honest. I, I was evaluating my life during worship and I was just weeping and weeping and weeping. Because I've never done anything to deserve what I have. I've done everything to deserve the opposite of everything that I've got. And I'm really grateful. And so I want to share a really quick story with you guys to encourage you and to challenge you. A year ago today, my daughter was born, so it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, ironically, she's at home with a rash all over her body that we think is infectious. So, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Poor girl. But a year and a half ago, I traveled to Ethiopia 
uh, in July of 2011 for the first time, and I think it's very fitting that we have an Ethiopian with us this morning. Nani is uh, the wife of Mesmore, and she's here under some circumstances. I think she'd rather not be, but we're grateful to have her here, and I think it's very fitting. A year and a half ago, I, I went to Ethiopia, and I, I had put before the Lord that anything he wanted to do in me, I would be open to him doing. And I flew over there. It takes about 24 hours of travel time to get there. Those of you who know, uh, went with this last summer know that. You sit on a plane for a long, long time, and you get to do a lot of deep thinking. And when I was on the plane, the Lord began to speak to me about leaving a legacy, which is something that I, you know, I mean, I'm 29 years old. I, I don't really think a whole lot about that. Um, but I was really meditating on my daughter being born. Um, this was, you know, three or four months before she was. And really thinking about what it would mean to be a father. And I thought back to the way that I felt those nights before I met the Lord when I left to go to college. And I just made a pact in my heart with the Lord that I would not raise a daughter that would have to feel like that. I don't want my daughter to ever feel the loneliness that I felt, to ever feel the desolation of not being in a relationship with Jesus without having the love of, of the eternal king surrounding my heart. And so the Lord was speaking to me about this. So I got to Ethiopia. I went to bed. I slept great. I got up the next morning, and I hadn't been in the country for more than 12 hours when I went with Wayne Wilkes and um, some other brothers to visit a congregation, a Messianic congregation in Otis. And we were there, and they were doing some filming things for the, the MJBI banquet. And they were in this courtyard. There was this older man, an older Jewish man, who literally lives out in a cave outside of Otis. And, and, and they were recording, and they were talking, and I was just, you know, there as a spectator. And um, they're telling stories, and it's being translated and I'm just kind of sitting around listening, looking around. Wow, I'm in Ethiopia. Oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And the Lord begins to speak to me about this legacy thing again. And as he does, I just begin to weep. And he then brings Naomi into the picture and says, Nick, your daughter is going to tell people about you. And she is going to say, one of the, one of the big things that she's going to say is that, my father loves Ethiopia. And this is going to be a part of your legacy. And as I'm, as I'm hearing this, I'm, I'm in, my, in my spirit, I'm weeping and I'm just crying. And, and I notice that there's these people around me. People are starting to speak in tongues and pray and just stepping up their hands and worshiping. And, and it was just this Holy Spirit moment. And that's when the Lord, we, we all came around and, and, and Wayne was like, you know what, this is a special moment. We need to pray. We need to see the presence of the Lord is in this place and we need to seek the Lord. And as we did... We were all gathered around together. The, the pastor of this congregation begins weeping and weeping. And so I'm hugging him, and the Lord speaks to me, and he says, you are to prepare to build a place and provide a place for these people. And I was like, what does that mean, Lord? He said, you and your wife have been saving to buy land, to build your own place, and you need to provide a place for my people before you have a place for yourself. And I was... Tears are running down my face. And so, literally, I could barely make out the words, but I tell this man, Yamana, I said, Yamana, I want you to know that the Lord has told me that I'm going to provide a place for you and for your people to meet. 
and I want you to dream big. I, want, I feel like the Lord is saying, dream big and go for it. Whatever, whatever is in your heart, the Lord is saying to do. And so, to be honest with you all, you know, we had some money saved. And, you know, I'm in Africa, right? And so I'm thinking, oh, what's a building going to cost in Africa? Ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000? You know? It should be pretty simple, right? Well, we get done, just being really honest with you, we get done talking with him and so, you know, we're all kind of having the after Holy Spirit moment of just, ah, just the peace of the Lord was on us. And I said, how, how much does a building go for around here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I knew that the Lord spoke to me. I, I mean, he spoke so clearly to me. You need to provide a place for them. And, and I didn't need to ask, hey, Wayne, do you know how much a building costs before I make this commitment? <laughs> and so I knew that the Lord was in this. And they told me what buildings cost, <laughs> and I thought, okay, Lord, uh, we're going to have to have a chat a little bit later, because that exactly doesn't match up with what's, you know, in my bank account right now. And so, the reason I'm telling you this is because this wasn't about me, or my wife, or anyone doing something because we were compelled to by any person. We weren't compelled to do this even on our own. This was a Holy Spirit compulsion for me. It happened immediately. And the Lord began to, he, he had prepared, he literally tilled up the ground in my heart on that flight over there to speak to me in that moment. And I'll just tell you, you know, we heard two powerful stories this morning from John about his own personal home and then from Eric, Pastor Eric, about this church home. Uh, a year ago, when Naomi was born, I sent an email to Wayne and Elias, who were in Ethiopia, and I said, hey, you know, <laughs> my daughter was born this morning, just wanted to let you know that she's healthy, and, and so about two hours later, I get an email back, and he says, Nick, we, we just got back in, we closed on that building today, and I began to weep again. And just knowing that the Lord had used Naomi to, to, to till up my heart to, to get me to a place where we could do something supernatural for these people. And then, then they close on their building the day that my daughter is born. And it's a year later, and I'm telling you this not because I'm trying to, to tell you that we're all going to get rich or everything's going to happen perfectly. But I'm doing this to tell you that the Lord is faithful when you step in to be faithful to him. There is twice as much money in my bank account for our land fund today as there was a year ago when we gave that money. Twice as much. And again, I'm not... It's humbling, you guys. It's humbling. And so what I'm wanting to communicate this morning is that there's an opportunity for us as a church not to... Get a huge building, like Tony just said. Not to even do some... There's an opportunity for us to literally walk closer with God. You know, when I look back on everything that happened with that building, and I could tell you a couple of other stories, every time that I made a big sacrifice that I had no idea how it was going to work, the Lord always came through, and He always brought me closer to Him. And so I want to tell you this morning that as an eldership, our desire and this might sound weird, is not for you to be blessed and to drive a new car and to have the best paying job 
It is, but our number one desire for you is that you would know Jesus. That you would literally know him so strongly, so closely, that everything you own would be on the table before him if he asks you to give it. That everything that you do with your time, that everything that you, you give of your talent, of your treasure, whatever, it's all on the table. That's what we're jealous for. That's what I'm jealous for. When, when I pray for you, and when we were, Marvin and I were praying on Monday night, this was my prayer before the Lord. He can be my witness. Is that, Lord, let this building, let this campaign be an opportunity for people to step closer into knowing you. To step closer into the kingdom. Not, not just to say, I gave X amount of dollars to, to this, this building campaign. But that you could look back in your life and say, I had an opportunity to do something and the Lord blew me away. And, and it's not that he even blew me away and that he blessed me, but it's that I was able to say, you know what, world, I'm okay. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm okay. I can do this. We can give this. We can make this commitment. We're not trusting in the ways of the world. We're trusting in the Lord. So, if you, you all have a, a, a card, I'll get down to the pragmatics here. I know I'm taking up a little bit of time. Um, you all have a card, uh, a couple of cards. The first is, is, is a card that is a bigger one that we want to really encourage you to put this on your fridge. There's, there is, um, you can read on the back really what our, our vision is and our heart is for what we're doing with this building. And we talked about it last week that Psalm 26, 8. Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. That's the desire of our heart is that we want to show the Lord. We want to be found faithful and we want to, to, to show and prove to the Lord that our desire is for him. It's not, it's not for anything else but, but for him and for his fame, for preaching the gospel like Tony said. Secondly, you're going to find a smaller card that also has Exodus. It's white. And on the back, there's going to be some instructions. And this is, this is what we as elders, through much prayer and thought and consideration with many other people, have decided that we feel the Lord is speaking to us about moving into a new building. We want to encourage you, before the end of the year, or before February when our lease is up, whichever you choose, if you want to do that this year, because of tax reasons, or if you want to do it next year, that's fine. But before we move out of this building, before February 28th, we want to encourage you to give a one-time gift. And, and I know that <laughs> there's a lot of you in here who think, I don't know, I mean, $10? It, the Lord is not going to discriminate. This is about your commitment to Him. It's about trusting Him. We want to encourage you to give a one-time gift Whatever that looks like, we want you to pray about that before the end of the year. The second aspect of this is that we want to, for two years, ask of you to make a monthly commitment to the Lord and to this church, to this body, to give on a monthly basis for two years. Because, you know what, we know that all of us in here aren't Saudi oil kings, okay? We can't just write out fat checks. We're not getting annuity payments every month. Uh, from natural gas leases or whatever. And so we realize that. And we know that, you know, you're going to do what you can do. And so we're going to give you sort of a a, a two-faceted option here, but we want you to commit to both. That's what we're asking. Because when we move out of this building, there's going to be some considerable cost to move into wherever the Lord is leading us next. And so um, this 
All of the funds for, for this campaign are going to go into a bank account that will not at all be touched for the general operation of this church, okay? Every single dollar is going to go towards what it means to go into this next building, all right? I want to I make sure that that's very, very clear. So on the back, again, you're going to see name, address, date, etc. And then the two-year commitment, you just write down what you, what you feel the Lord is leading you um, as a family or as an individual per month, and you multiply it by 24 months. Um, and then, then there's a space for writing down the one-time gift before the end of February. And then if you have something other than cash, we understand that. Um, you know, I gave my pickup one time to a building campaign. So um, just write down, you know, my, my 05 Honda Accord on there. And then write down the, tell us where to find the keys, okay? <laughs> and just write down what you think it's worth. It's not, you don't have to know exactly, but we're just trying to get, you know, a general figure there. And then on the end here it says, I, will, I or we will begin my or our gifts on January 1st, 2013. That's where we want to start the monthly process. So for two years, for 2013 and 2014, we will be committed as a church with one another and before the Lord to do this. And then you'll just make a signature on that. And I want to note the, the small print on the bottom here, okay? It says, this is a statement of intent and may be altered as circumstances warrant. So listen, if, if you make a commitment to give $50 a month and, you know, you go through a three-month rough patch, we understand that. <laughs> We're not going to come and say, hey, hey, you sign this, you know, and take you down to the courthouse, Okay. That's not going to happen, <laughs> all right? But, but we do want us to take this seriously enough to put a signature on it and say, Lord, this is before you, this is before the body, and, and we're going to take this serious, okay? So if you have any questions about this, please ask me or Tony or Marvin, and, and we would love to let you know any, any of your answers, okay? We want to just encourage you not to turn this in today, but to, to pray about it at least for a week, if you want to take longer, that's fine. Um, we would like for you to turn them in before the end of the year, which is a long ways away. So, But I, I realize that this is going to take some prayer. And, you know, we really believe that the Lord will speak to you. And we really believe that the Lord will do something supernatural in your guys' life. And that it won't, you know, we're not just looking for, again, you to come back and say, you know, we're so blessed financially, da, 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 all this stuff. We do want to see that. But you know what we want to see? We want to see people who are literally deeper in the kingdom than they ever have been before. Who can say, you know what, man? I don't need to count on my paycheck to make it. I'm counting on the Lord. That's what this is about. This is about walking deeper as a church and showing to the world that we can be a people who will make sacrifices to trust the Lord and not the economic system of the world, okay? And so there's an envelope here that you can use um, to fold this card up and put it in the offering whenever you're ready to do that. But um, I want to ask Tony and Marvin to come up. And we as elders just want to reach our hands out and pray for you guys. And, uh, and I just want to say this is really exciting. <laughs> um, we've never done this before, so this is the first thing, and it's very exciting. And we are so pumped about hearing what the Lord is going to do in all of our lives as we just take a step deeper into his kingdom. Amen. Quick story. Last night when I was with Tom and Mariela um, praying there for Annie, just, in fact, she, she passed on like 20 minutes after I left, I think it was, roughly. Well, the nurse was in there, and boy, she had the gift of gab, didn't she? <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, um, 
But she, at one point, she asked Tom and Mariella if she would like the the hospital chaplain to come by, and and he was like, you know, that's okay. Um, our pastor, our pastor's actually here. And she turned and said, oh, the pastor's son is actually here. And I was like, and I said, no, I'm actually the pastor. I said, I'm older than I look. <laughs> and let me tell you, I get that all the time. Some people will come in, they visit, and I usually don't say, hi, I'm Pastor Tony. <laughs> I just say, hey, I'm Tony, how are you, you know? And uh, they're always like, oh, good to meet you. And then I get up there to preach, and they're like, so I'm older than I look. I'm 38. If you look close, this isn't blonde. It's gray, actually. Okay? I have four kids, married 18 years. And so the reason I say that is because um, a lot of times there's very little expectation from people that are young or even maybe the, uh, the idea that, you know, we look down upon the young because what have they got? But, you know, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone despise you in your youth. Don't let anyone look down upon you in your youth. Young people can accomplish great things. In fact, God set up a a model in Scripture that young people, small things, can take out giants. Amen? This is a giant situation. And uh, and even as a church, Soma is still uh, young. We are are less than six years old. Our congregation is young. So, you uh, you know, it'd be easy to look at this congregation and say, wow, don't expect much. I'm like, that's not the biblical model at all, is it? And so I, I'm really excited to do to see what God is going to do. Marvin and Nick and I were praying on Friday, and I was just in tears just at the reality of what our church is like. There's no way this church should do anything amazing because we're so young. But the Lord reminded me, what does that got to do with it? I'm a big God, and anything that happens is going to be the Lord. And that's why we say fast and pray before you write anything on a card. Because God's going to put something on in your heart. And what he puts on your heart, he's going to provide that way. Amen. And so we want to pray a blessing upon you as you fast and pray that the Lord will, will hear you um, and he will speak to you. And that God will do great things through this, uh, through this young house. Amen. So let's stand.